Well, hello and welcome to episode number 52 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On the podcast today, we're going to be talking about communicating with peers in Project Virtual Teams. And as with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the All Fire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, feel free to sign up for our regular newsletter and find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. So communicating with peers in Project Virtual Teams. Now this this podcast is essentially the third of a series of three that we've done. Uh, the first one was communicating down, so that was pro- podcast number 50. This second one was communicating up, and that was podcast number 51. And then here we are, number 52, and we're talking essentially communicating with personnel at the same level, more or less, as you are within your project team. So we're not talking specifically about how you speak to your boss or how you as a leader should speak to your um, to your reports. We're talking more about how you would communicate between your team members specifically and particularly when you are scattered around a city, around a country, around a region or around the world in one of these very complex virtual teams. So peer-to-peer communication is essentially that level where you are talking between people more or less at the same level. So you might be talking to people who are slightly higher or slightly lower than you within the organisational structure, but essentially you're going to be talking to, to your compatriots. Now, of course, you need to be very, very conscious when you're planning all of this lot to understand what the cultural differences are between the different locations that you're going to be communicating with. So if you have, if you're dealing with uh, between two countries where one has a culture where it's a very flat leadership structure and a very flat organisational structure, where it's very common for relatively senior people within a project team, even though they are peers, to communicate directly with relatively junior people, if that group needs to communicate with another group where the culture is that there is a much more hierarchical structure so personnel will only in those sorts of structures typically communicate openly with their direct manager and their direct reports and also of course with people within their team across a horizontal level you need to be very careful that you understand the differences there and make sure that when you are communicating between these groups that the communications are culturally sensitive and and work. It can be very easy to get it wrong in both directions. It can be very easy for someone from from a very hierarchical structure to assume that the office that they're talking to has a similar hierarchical structure and therefore only to speak to people who are not necessarily the people that they need to speak to. 
And in those situations, what will happen is that the message may not get through to the person who needs to hear it, because in a flat structure, the assumption is that you would talk directly to the person you needed to undertake that task or you needed to give you your, your information. So if you're speaking to that person's line manager or 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 such like, that person that you're speaking to may not communicate your message. Similarly, it can be very easy to offend personnel in a in a very hierarchical structure if you come from a very flat structure by going directly to the wrong person and not and cutting out the people who need to transfer that information from one part of the team to another to maintain their their cultural rigidity and their cultural strength within their group. So you need to be very careful when you're planning your communication to ensure that that it's culturally sensitive. And that would be the first thing that we would recommend, that you make sure that you understand how messages transfer between groups and how messages are passed backwards and forwards within groups. So the second thing that we would uh, we would say is you need to take the time to plan your communication. You need to plan it out. You need to get together at the start of a project and you need to get together reasonably frequently during the life of the project to plan and maintain your communication to make sure that the right people are included in the right loops as and when needed. And also from that, of course, to make sure that people who simply just don't need to be part of some of these communication loops because what's being talked about is not of relevance to them for their day-to-day work, that those people have the opportunity not to be included and then they can get on with their normal assigned work. So on the one hand, you're making sure that the messages get clearly to the people they need to. On the other, you're making sure that the messages don't muddy the waters and create extra noise, for want of a better expression, with the people who just don't need to hear some of the things that are going on. So it's balancing that communication one way or the other. And this planning needs to be done by the people who are going to be doing the communication. It should not be something that's imposed on them from above by their managers, by their sometimes by their HR department, sometimes even by their quality control departments. Different people for various reasons, all of them well-intentioned, will from time to time try and influence the way that other people will function. And sometimes it makes sense and it works very well. Other times it just doesn't. And our view, my view, would be that in when you're planning your communication, you need to make sure that, that the people who need to get the message and the people who need to share the message are the ones who plan it. Now, of course, when that planning includes access to the right technologies and tools, you need also to include the people who are going to furnish you with those tools. You need them on board so that they can understand why you need the tools that you need, so that they can make sure that you are aware of all the suite of tools that are available to you, and also so that everybody understands why what is needed is needed, when and where, so that it can be balanced and that the budgets can be put together and that the right volume of tools can be made available. Now, there are, of course, a great number of different tools available for people communicating in virtual teams. Um, You've got the atypical email, which everybody has access to these days. You've got the telephone, various forms of telephone. You've got landlines, um, VOIP, you've got mobile phones and so forth. You've also got video conference where it's available. And in many projects these days, that is that is spreading from a fixed system 
built into one or two or three rooms into um, a much more portable system where people might use either things built into their laptops, people will use things built into the tablet devices that they have, and they'll have, of course, things built into their mobile phones as well. So there are ways where you can have one-to-one ad hoc video conversations with people where in the past you would have been limited to just telephone and it doesn't necessarily cost the business any more than what it's already paying for the bandwidth that it that it uses. Then of course you've got slightly older technology like the Telefax which which is still around and is still used and is still relevant in some businesses um, but it's still you know it's still there even though it may not get needed that much. Then, of course, beyond that, you've got things like instant messaging, you've got blogs, you've got websites and so forth, which are, which also have their have their role, their role and their place. So you need to work through and understand what tools you have, what tools you need, and how you need to manage those tools. So if you work in a project environment where all of your formal communication needs to be uh, recorded and documented, it's very important that you develop a platform somewhere for that communication to be recorded and captured. Now, whether that's by email, whether it's by going back to the good old facts and pieces of paper in files, whether it's um, communicating through a through a custom-built or a bought-in platform where everybody talks, types their messages into it, some form of discussion um, system, whatever it may be, you need to make sure you have the right recordability there where needed. Where it's things like really quick, direct messages that don't need to be recorded, then things like text messaging can be very, very effective for some people. Um, equally, telephone and video conference is very important for for that more nuanced, more subtle, richer form of communication that lets people really get to know each other as part of the communication process. So again, you need to understand and build a communications infrastructure that makes sense specifically for your team and for your project and not necessarily always simply adapt or adopt something that someone else has said, hey, here you go, we've used this on this job, it might work for you or it might not. Now, other things you need to be very careful of when you're planning your communication is understanding how... Um, how intrusive and how disruptive some of the communication will be for some people. Now, if you're working across multiple time zones, you need to be you need to really plan how you're going to manage communication when potentially you may never actually both be at work. Both parties may not be at work at the same time. So, if you've got twelve time time zone difference between where you where one office is and where the other office is nobody will actually be in the office concurrently. So you need to plan how you're going to manage communication in that kind of an environment to be both effective and also to allow the personnel to get enough rest and enough break and enough downtime so that they can function. Similarly, you need to work out and to understand how things like public holidays, national holidays, religious holidays and so forth are going to be managed across your project. You can almost guarantee if you're working on a multinational, multi-centre project that not all those holidays and all those breaks will occur on the same days. Some will, but many won't. So you need to understand which holidays are uh, immutable and holidays which, which which the team at that location will have regardless of what the project says. You then need to understand which holidays are very, very flexible. So 
often in in countries there are some holidays which are let's call them nice to haves they don't have as much significance as other holidays so you need to understand which are which and you need to make sure that the project itself plans its communication around holidays like that because people need some time they need time with their families they need a bit of a break and they need to be able to celebrate these holidays with their um, with their countrymen so you shouldn't always assume that you in one office can dictate the entire project calendar to the entire project similarly if you're working between countries where the non-working days change so if you're working between uh, let's call them a western country and a middle eastern country you'll find that in the western countries typically the working week is monday to friday and saturday sunday are the days of rest if you're working into the middle east you'll find that the working week is sunday to thursday and the days of non-work are friday and saturday so you need to plan about how you're going to manage those those differences now, in some instances, those differences will give you um, a lot of extra strength. If you've got a, essentially a six-day working week spread around the world, albeit only a four-day overlap in that six days, it can allow you to balance your work so that things can be done in one office while the other office is not there. But equally, you need to be very careful that you manage how you'll deal with questions that may arise when the question needs to be answered by someone who's in a country where they're not working on those days when the other country is working. So again, it's a balancing act and it's everybody needs to understand and everybody needs to um, to, to moderate the way that they communicate and the tools that they use and when they expect the other people to be available to them to suit what's um, what's out there. Now, the next thing to be cautious of, um, particularly, again, when you're on international projects or if you're working with multicultural, multinational, co-located teams, is languages. Now, most projects will develop a single project language, and by develop, I actually mean define. So they'll say at the start of the job, our project language is English, French, German, Japanese, Chinese, whatever. And everybody working on that project who needs to communicate with everybody else will have to be communicating in that language. Often it also means that the project documentation may be written in that language. Now, for some languages which are broadly available across the countries in which you're working, that can be relatively straightforward. But if you're working in a language where one of the countries participating in the project doesn't have a lot of strength in its team in that language, you need to be very careful that the documentation, both the working documentation in as much as standards and policies and guidelines, and also the project outcome documents, um, if they need to be produced in a specific language, that that language is carefully managed. You also need to be very cautious when you're running meetings and when you are communicating with others that the language that is the project language which may be your first language may be their second or third language and it may be a language they're not as comfortable speaking in as you are and it may be a language where a lot of the nuance and subtlety that you are used to and take for granted is not part of uh, of part of their language skills so you need to be very careful in as much as choose relatively simple words Take your time to explain things, make sure that you ask people do they understand and to make sure that they actually do understand when they say that they do so that they're not being culturally polite or they're not wanting to hide their their lack of language 
you need to make sure that they actually do understand and that it's okay for them to ask you to explain things. Similarly, if you're the one that doesn't understand, you need to understand that you can ask people to explain things again to you to get things clear. Because people would, should prefer to spend a little bit of extra time getting the message correct so that when the other party is working on that work, they really understand what's expected of them and then the originator gets the outcomes that they wish for. They should prefer that to rushing through some communications and then receiving poor outcomes at the end of the work. So it's very much a case of just making sure that everybody knows what everybody needs. Now sometimes also this can mean that you need to change the tools that you use to communicate. You may need to find multiple channels, so it may be appropriate to have, say, a written set of instructions for a task that you need doing, but then to follow that with a verbal conversation as well just to make sure that that everybody understands exactly what's needed and then to follow it up part way through to make sure any questions that arise are properly dealt with and this can be different to when you're working in a co-located team where everybody comes from the same culture everybody speaks the same language and everybody has an easy understanding of what's expected there you can simply say can you do this for me the other person nod the head they'll do the work and you know you'll get what you expect you've got to assume that the piece, the people at the other end may not necessarily have the same understanding as your co-located colleagues and just make sure that you spend that little bit of extra time getting everything sorted out for them then finally and this is an easy one to forget sometimes in the heat of major projects, you need to make sure that you treat your uh, virtual team colleagues, your international peers, with the same respect you would expect to be treated from by them. So if you're unsure and if they're unsure, just take the time to, to, to clarify things. Don't assume that the people at the other end are doing something to upset you. If they say something that you don't that's maybe culturally offensive in your culture, assume that they are meaning it in a in a benign and non-offensive way, and um, and 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 proceed from there. Proceed from a position where you just assume that the other people are different, rather than from a position of let's call it defensiveness, where you may assume that the other people are there to try and trip you up and to try and make you um, appear to be less competent than you actually are. There's very, very little chance that that will be the case. Almost always, everybody on projects like this wants everybody to be successful because if everybody's successful, then the job is successful and they all benefit from it. So it's very unusual that you would find people who would actively try and undermine you on a project like these. So assume that everybody has the best intentions at heart and proceed forward from there. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and you've got something useful from it. If you have, then please do check us out. We are at www.ulfire.com.au And of course, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed to keep up to date with future episodes and to subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter, which has links to new articles, both articles that we write and also articles that uh, that we find on the web that are relevant to virtual teams. And I very much look forward to speaking to you in future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.